0: welcome to Cosmos Science Daily, where journalists at the Cosmos Newsroom report on the latest research and discoveries and explain the science behind the headline news. Today's newsroom journalist and science graduate specializing in genetics, immunology, and citizen science, Emma Perfetto, is updating us on gene therapy for sickle cell disease. And I am Dr. Sophie Calabretto, applied mathematician and fluid mechanist, who is grateful for the scientists tackling horrible diseases like this one. Sickle cell disease is a debilitating illness, and it's estimated that 300,000 babies are born each year with the disease. People with this disease have abnormal red blood cells and suffer from episodes of excruciating pain, organ damage, and have a shorter life expectancy. Scientists think that it might one day be possible to treat this disease using gene editing, but recent research in the journal Disease Models and Mechanisms reminds us that when studying human genetic diseases, choosing the right animal model makes all the difference. Emma, can you tell us a little bit more about sickle cell disease?
1: Yeah, of course. So sickle cell disease is caused by mutations in the genes that make hemoglobin. So that's the protein that carries oxygen in red blood cells. Mm-hmm. It's also what makes them red. So healthy red blood cells are shaped similar to a donut, but instead of a hole in the middle it's more of an indentation. Yeah. But this isn't the case
0: in sickle cell disease. Right. Actually, is, is that where the name of the disease comes from? So they look like sort of an old timey tool that you would murder someone with?
1: Yeah, potentially. So it's it's called a sickle. It's sort of shaped like a C, um, and so are the red blood cells. So they become hard and sticky, and they die a lot earlier than they normally would. Mm-hmm. And because of their shape, the sickled red blood cells can become stuck and stop the flow of blood when traveling through really small blood vessels like capillaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what causes those symptoms that you mentioned earlier. So current treatments at the moment can reduce the complications associated with it and sort of extend life expectancies of affected children. However, most still die, unfortunately.
0: Right. So how could we potentially use gene therapy to treat it?
1: Yeah. So I've mentioned normal hemoglobin and abnormal hemoglobin, which is produced in sickle cell disease, but there's actually a third form of it as well. So it's called fetal hemoglobin, and it's usually only produced by the body when we're in the womb. And then after that, its production gets turned off. So because red blood cells are made from stem cells in our bone marrow, researchers hope that by removing these stem cells, and editing the fetal hemoglobin gene to switch it back on, they would then be able to put the stem cells back into the body so that they would start producing healthy red blood cells again.
0: Ah, uh, Okay, so that would alleviate those symptoms of sickle cell disease because you'd have more normal red blood cells in your body. Exactly. But before scientists can do it safely in humans, we need to
1: test it first in animals to make sure it's, you know, all down pat. Mm -hmm. But that's kind of where it gets a little bit complicated. So in this research, they used two types of lab mice to study this. Uh, the Berkeley and the Towns mice. And these have been genetically engineered in uh, different ways so that the human hemoglobin genes have replaced their usual mice hemoglobin genes okay. in their genome. So researchers went ahead and removed the stem cells from the mice. They used CRISPR-Cas9 to turn on the healthy fetal hemoglobin gene. And then they put those stem cells back into the mice and monitored them for 18 weeks to see how it all went.
0: And it sounds very, very complicated. And I'm guessing that it all didn't go to plan.
1: Not exactly. Yeah. So about uh, 70% of those Berkeley mice actually died from the therapy. Wow. And, you know, production of the fetal hemoglobin that they were going for was only activated in about 3.1% of the stem cells that they Mm -hmm. tried this on. And on the other hand, the town's mice, while their survival wasn't affected at all, the levels of fetal hemoglobin that they produced when they were back in, in the mice were about 7 to 10 times lower than when this approach is used in human cells grown in the lab. Right. And that's just not high enough to reduce the, sort of the clinical signs of sickle cell disease. Okay, so do they know why this didn't work
0: in the way that they were hoping for it to work?
1: Yes. So they definitely wanted to figure out what was causing all of these mice to die and for it to just not work how they saw it working in Mm -hmm. in human cells in the lab. So to find this out, they sequenced the mice's hemoglobin genes and the surrounding DNA around those genes and discovered that for the Berkeley mice, instead of having just a single copy of the mutated human gene, They actually had 22 randomly arranged broken-up copies of the, you know, human sickle cell disease gene and 27 copies of the human fetal hemoglobin gene. Right. And this is not what you want because... When, you have, when you're editing multiple copies of a gene, it can damage the DNA, and this is mm-hmm. what caused the, the fatal effects that they saw. Right. So the town's mice, it looks like they didn't have these crucial pieces of DNA around the gene to regulate the production of the fetal hemoglobin gene um, as
0: it is in humans. Wow. So this really is a reminder to scientists to really carefully consider the genetics of the mice they're using to study human diseases, right?
1: Exactly. So it's definitely going to help scientists in the future, especially when they're deciding which of these mice to use as an animal model of sickle cell disease in humans when they're, you know, researching
0: specific um, sickle cell or hemoglobin research questions. For sure. Thanks so much, Emma, and thank you to everyone for listening. Be sure to keep an ear out for our next instalment of Cosmos Science Daily. This podcast was brought to you by Cosmos, a publication of the Royal Institution of Australia.
1: From Listener and Cosmos Magazine comes, huh? Science Explained, a new weekly podcast answering all of life's questions, big and small, in just 10 minutes. Download the Listener
0: app now and listen for free. Listener.